In late June, ISACA discovered dozens of banks in Ukraine and Russia being impacted by cyber attacks utilizing the SWIFT messaging system, adding to the growing list of financial institutions that have been targeted in 2016. Cyber criminals are continuing to find new ways to steal massive amounts of money from these organizations. On today's Cyber Chat, we talk once again with Mark Gazit, CEO of Thetaray, about how financial sector attacks are evolving and what needs to be done to stay ahead of cyber criminals and combat these attacks. Last time we spoke was in November 2015, I think, and since then, the big financial news has been all these attacks leveraging the SWIFT messaging system. And I guess the big one that got the conversation started was in February, where $81 million was stolen from the Central Bank of Bangladesh's New York Federal Reserve account. Since then, there's been a whole lot of ch- different chatter about who's at fault and who's to blame between industry experts and government officials. And just wondering your thoughts on all that's been happening uh, in the financial sector. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I remember when we spoke sort of uh, towards the new year, we said what will be what will be the new wave of uh, threats. Some people thought that, you know, cybersecurity will never cross the line of uh, stealing credit cards or information about people, etc. Uh, and I think that uh, in our discussion, we both agreed that, uh, no, criminals will take it to the new uh, level. And basically, that's what's happening, and I'm saying it because I think that uh, the SWIFT example is a very good example. First of all, it's very important to mention that this is an attack or this is the, uh, a fraud attempt that was successful, but also was reported. Obviously, we see only those uh, situations where somebody caught the bad guys and when they went uh, public about it. So I believe that we see just a fraction of what is happening. Now, um, if we look at, at the SWIFT you know, money that was stolen from Bangladesh or the SWIFT case, it's actually more in line with what's happening right now, which we call multidimensional attack, because it involves many uh, areas. Uh, it's not just cybersecurity. It's social uh, engineering. You know, they need to had to, they want they, they had to sort of Im, uh, impersonate themselves as uh, legitimate SWIFT operators and send the right uh, type of order. There, there was a need to to have extensive knowledge about cybersecurity and uh, uh, crypto analytics because they did manage to uh, steal and use the digital signature or the certificates of the relevant entities. And it uh, they also involved very extensive information and knowledge gathering about the way the bank is working or SWIFT system is working. So we're talking about uh, very extensive intelligence gathering. So, um, you know, it's just one example, but I think it sheds light on what's what's going on now and the, what, what we're trying to preach for a long time, which is the world has changed. Cyber is not about cyber. Cyber is about uh, crime. And today... Um, you know, between me and you and the, uh, the audience, uh, your audience, uh, today crime pays. Uh, pays off, you say in uh, English, uh, because, you know, it's very little risk. You can sit somewhere outside the United States in some remote country, operate some proxies, and those guys will break into some computers in totally different uh, region, and using those computers as amplifiers, you can uh, basically conduct the fraud and nobody will catch you. Uh, you not physically have to be there, so um, I think this is a, a sort of a new, a new area, a new world, and it's interesting. And if you like, we can discuss what regulators are doing about it, what the central banks are doing about it, because you can't just have a blacklist and that's it, and hope that everything will be okay. 
what should these central banks be doing about this? Because just at the end of June, there was a uh, ISACA, they put out a, uh, a, a report or an advisory. They said that at the current moment, dozens of banks, mostly in Ukraine and Russia, have been compromised and hundreds of millions of dollars stolen via these uh, SWIFT attacks. So it sounds like it's an ongoing problem. It keeps happening. Um, I mean, what's your thoughts on the situation in terms of are financial organizations prepared for this? Or what, I mean, what can they do better to stop this? First of all, I think that nobody is prepared. And the preparedness starts with the uh, right state of mind. So if in the past we thought that we can use problem avoidance technologies, techniques, for example, if we want to avoid cybersecurity attack, we'll put a big firewall, we put very smart antivirus solution, and we will disconnect ourselves from the Internet. doesn't work. Firewall is being penetrated. Antiviruses can do nothing about zero-day attacks. And if we talk about Stuxnet, you remember the nuclear facility in Iran, it showed that even though the system can be totally disconnected from the Internet, it still can be penetrated. The same financial institutions, the failed that will put the system that will have a great uh, deal of pattern, knowing uh, and explaining uh, behavior of uh, criminals. There are good systems from Actimize and others that just allow you to put blacklists and patterns and rules and signatures, how fraud or how money laundering attempts should look like, everything will be okay. And the answer is no, it doesn't work because hackers become smarter. They understand how banks are working. If you go to the uh, dark web, you can find the rules set of rules for um, uh, major banks in the United States. And some of the banks will have more than 10,000 rules. They're all published. Um, don't ask me how. Uh, we can sort of speculate on that, but it's all published. So I think that banks now understand uh, something that security people understood uh, two or three years ago. You need to be prepared to the fact that uh, there will be attack and uh, the organization will be penetrated. And then you need to make sure that you detect the attack very fast, you prepare to the attack, and you take care of it uh, extremely fast. And what it's interesting uh, to see is even the regulators, the central banks, the blacklist still exists, but they do something that some banks will call mean, but I think it's reality. They tell the banks, look, if you will be used as a money laundering machine to, to finance crime or terror, or if money will be stolen, you will be liable even though you followed all the uh, blacklist that we provided to you. So what they do is much more of a fuzzy uh, regulation where they basically tell financial institutions, look, you are responsible and we will not give you the silver bullet, we will not give you the uh, blacklist of suspicious people, and if you follow this blacklist, then you can say, you know, I did the best, I did my best efforts, and sorry I couldn't protect my customers. No, they will not accept it. And now, of course, they need to follow the blacklist and follow the rules, but it's not enough, and everybody understands that it's not, not enough. So now it's the time for all detection systems, systems that will detect it fast. And you know my opinion, uh, human beings uh, are not fast enough to do it, so we need machines to help us. We've been talking a little bit about how criminals are targeting the organizations themselves rather than, you know, the customers. And, and another example of these big kind of payday attacks is uh, all these business email compromise scams that we've been seeing. Uh, I believe it was just last month, the FBI, they put out an alert saying that since January 2015, there's been a 1300% increase in the amount of actual and attempted dollar loss. I think it was over 22,000 victims, $3 billion exposed. Uh, so it seems like that's a challenging problem where 
these people are impersonating these authority figures and then doing these large-scale wire fraud. Uh, just wondering your thoughts on that, because it seems like to me like that's something that's kind of hard to, to combat. Yeah, so I can give you like two examples and give you my thoughts. And you're absolutely right. So basically the, the impersonation attack goes into two different areas. One of them is uh, very sophisticated, very uh, labor-intensive, what they call CEO uh, attacks. Basically, I am a CEO. I, I, I break into uh, some mail system of an organization. I start to follow up emails. Then I shut down it for a second or intercept an email from a CEO, replace it, create trust. And then as a CEO, I tell my CFO, look, you know, there's a very special deal we're working on. I will take the lawyer firm, uh, but this is a potential M&A, potential acquisition, and please don't tell anybody in the company. We will take this legal firm that will work with us. And again, everything you build is almost sort of authentic. Now you take a, a, an existing legal firm, uh, and I don't want to give like the exact prescription, but basically what you say, you take the existing legal firm and you said, look, I will sign a special lawyer. And just to make sure that it will not create noise in the accounting department, here's the different bank account. Please, for this particular deal, pay the bills of $15 million to that specific address. And of course, a, because you are in the mail system, you know exactly what's going on. And when you send this email, like, can you ask a CEO, uh, a CFO, like, how is your daughter or son or how is the new car? Because you follow up, follow on, on the email. Very successful, very labor intensive. And definitely much more difficult to uh, catch. Luckily for us, it's not uh, easily done. And it happens. It's much like it, those stories are sexy stories. But I will take you to the other side of it, which is, uh, you know, just breaking those normal email accounts, sending uh, massive emails with uh, some uh, software attachments and then doing ransom where you uh, basically send the client to uh, a customer and the customer and the client, uh, like software client encrypts the, the, the computer threaten to uh, distract all the information or send all your private information to somebody else, and then you pay $500 in Bitcoins and everything is okay. Back to normal. And here is interesting to see because this is definitely something that is, is almost a disease. It's an it's a epidemic. It's like everywhere. And most of the people don't know or still think that there is a hacker sitting and sending emails to various victim computers and basically negotiating with them, but it doesn't work this way. It's all automatic. Hackers just uh, take over uh, machines, inject bots in those machines. It's all done automatically. Uh, you know, I wish I could show you, uh, if you mentioned company, countries in Eastern Europe, uh, the, the customer support uh, systems that they have, like state of the art. You say, okay, so this is the range of the computers, this is the country, this is the city, please attack computers in that city, this is the type of emails I would like to send. If they reject, they will automatically uh, classify and report people who paid the ransom because uh, they don't want to attack somebody who paid ransomware too early again because otherwise they will lose their credibility. Everything is automated. And this is an area that is uh, relatively easy to fight, but um, there should be... Uh, sort of joint effort uh, of law enforcement agencies and the government because uh, simple system uh, to identify very subtle uh, signs of events. Even simpler system can identify that there is a, a large number of emails coming from the same IP or sort of similar IPs. So uh, the, 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 the only need here is uh, coordination and organization of different entities 
which is, by the way, uh, a, a difficult part. But we need to do it. You know, hackers are very organized. They share information. They uh, share victims' uh, uh, credentials. Uh, government should do it as well. Yeah, I know that Thetaray, you guys recently began working with a global financial institution and you opened an office in New York. And so I'm curious to get your thoughts as you work with more of these different institutions just for, you know, what they're concerned about, what, what challenges they face. Cause obviously, you know, fraud and cybercrime is always changing. So I'm wondering if their concerns have changed as well or if it's kind of the same as it's always been. No, it's changing. It's changing, and I'm glad to say that it's changing because of the two reasons, I believe. First of all, they do invest more in digital uh, world. I think most of the financial institutions understand that if they will not go online, they might lose the business. They do have respect and trust of the customers, but still, if I have to go to your branch, and uh, each time you want to do a money transfer, you will just uh, switch to another bank. So uh, most of them now bring digital uh, chief digital officers, chief innovation officers, and they try to de- build the uh, different models. And now, and that caused them uh, to be much more susceptible to uh, uh, cybercrime. In parallel, the um, quality and also the the volume of the attacks is increasing, and it becomes a, a, a board issue, a CEO issue, a, a risk issue. And suddenly, it's not just an issue that IT guys should sort of deal with somewhere in the back office rooms. It's actually becoming something that relates to the very core part of the business. Some organizations, if you think about it, such as PayPal or Alipay, which is the Chinese PayPal, their entire business is online. They don't have any branches. So if there is a problem with an online system, that nothing works. Also companies like uh, eBay or parts of Amazon. So yeah, we definitely see a change, and this is one of the reasons why such a large organizations uh, start to work with us. You've probably seen the announcement by ING recently. And by the way, usually customers, financial institutions, don't talk about security solutions that they're using, uh, but in our case, I believe they uh, sort of enrolled or inspired by our vision uh, to transform the way the world deals with data, to make uh, uh, a world of cyber much a safer, safer place, and they're willing to uh, do something that they usually don't do and talk about the solutions they deal with us. And it covers everything. You know, um, financial transactions now being online and being hacked, and it's important for them. Money laundering become, become, becomes a much tougher issue, you know, because financial institutions being used or abused to finance ISIS and uh, other criminal organizations and terrorist organizations. Uh, ATMs, uh, I think we discussed it the other day. Um, historically, when you wanted to steal money from ATM, you could use uh, or you had to uh, use a, a skimming device or a fake credit card. Today, it's much more, uh, much easier. You break into the backbone system, you send commands to the motor and the actuators of the ATMs, and suddenly, you know, the motor starts to spin, a door opens, and you see a very interesting phenomenon of money coming out of the wall. Very big concern for ATMs. It happens all around the world. The, all, all you need to do is to have enough money yields, enough people that will go with the bag uh, and collect money from one ATM to another. So the world becomes, becomes a very dangerous place, and regulators will put more responsibility on the banks. So KYC, know your customer regulations, uh, are very important right now. You know, uh, government tells the, the banks, you are responsible to identify who is your customer. And again, all those solutions uh, historically been done by human beings, and you need thousands of people to deal with false alarms of existing systems based on rules and signatures. And uh, luckily for us, we came just, we believe, at the right time with uh, our machine base 
solutions which use deep learning and basically can act fast enough in a speed uh, of uh, attacking machines because, you know, hackers don't wait. They also use machines and networks to create massive attacks on uh, millions of computers uh, simultaneously and millions of users simultaneously. And you need uh, solutions like ours to, 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 to combat with that. Basically, the more data we have, the, the smarter our machines become. And then the more precise is the system. Versus human beings, where the more, blo more load you have and more data you have on people, the less precise they are and more mistakes they do. My final question, we talked a, a lot about how everything's changing and evolving and there's all these different threats for the financial institutions. So just wondering your thoughts you know, going forward. Because I remember when we, when we talked a while ago, you said that I, I brought up the fact that there's this perception that financial institutions are really uh, sophisticated when it comes to cybersecurity, and you said how they weren't really necessarily as sophisticated. So just wondering your your thoughts kind of on trends and stuff going forward, if that question makes any sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And actually, you know, the pleasure of speaking with you is that we're in touch for a long time, so there's some perspective, and you can see where I was right and where I was wrong, or we together were wrong, all right. And uh, unfortunately, <laughs> in this particular case, you and I were right. And banks were not as sophisticated as we thought. Even SWIFT, which is like international organization serving huge amount of banks, had issues. But, you know, they are not alone. They have probably the most sophisticated people inside, the best people that they take from the other organizations. The problem is hackers are moving so fast. And they don't have any rules. They don't have any ethics or something that will stop them. They, for them, it's all about money and conducting crime. Uh, so they are moving fast, they are organized, they are well financed. I have to say that although I see that the situation is improving, uh, still um, existing organizations such as financial institutions, utility companies, they still have very good people that have extensive knowledge that is derived from the past. And sometimes past knowledge can be a curse when you try to prepare yourself against new attacks. That's why we tell our customers, look, we are not better than you in covering uh, no attacks. You are much better than us because you have extensive knowledge. You know exactly how to catch all the known ways to steal money. But the reason why we encourage them to use our system is to prepare themselves for the future, to make themselves prepared for the unknowns because uh, th that's, the, that's the place where there is a real danger. And I think that we'll see more surprises, more attacks that nobody expected more uh, crimes that people will be very much surprised how it happened or how it could happen. On the other hand, I always say that eventually this movie has a happy end because at the end of the day, uh, good guys win. You know, bad guys try harder, they're much faster, they're much more creative. But eventually good guys win and that's why we have internet and online banking and encrypted emails and the world is moving forward. So I'm optimistic. Thanks for taking the time, Mark. I appreciate it. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. And that'll do it for this week's Cyber Chat. The Cyber Chat podcast is brought to you by Surfwatch Labs. Surfwatch Labs helps organizations and service providers quickly establish a strategic cyber threat intelligence operation that drives more effective use of tactical defenses. For a weekly recap of important cybercrime news, check out Surfwatch Labs' other podcast, the Surfwatch Cyber Risk Roundup. And for more information on cyber risk intelligence, check out surfwatchlabs.com.